Hallelujah. Today is uh, Telugu New Year. So it's a holiday for a lot of people, so it shows. But every day is a new day, new beginning for those. The Lord was telling me today, somebody was hearing. It's a new beginning for you. You've given up. You are almost at the verge of quitting. It's over. Nothing is going to change for my life. But it's not true. The word of God says his mercies are new every morning. You can have a new beginning, a new year today. Even if you're not a Telugu. You don't need leaves over your doorposts. You just need the blood on your doorposts. So this morning we will look to the Lord. We'll just thank him for his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his great, great love for us. As Paul says, that love cannot be measured. The width, the depth, the height of that love. It will take all eternity to understand how much God loves us. Therefore, we can love others. Father, this morning we just come to you. We just want to thank you, Father. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. In spite of everything that is happening around us, the pandemic, the spike, the lockdowns, the fear. But Lord, your people are safe. They are safe in you. The pandemic has lost its power over us because death has lost its power over us. And we just want to thank you once again, Lord, for the healing that is there in Christ Jesus. I thank you for everyone who you have healed. And I continue to pray for those are on the road of healing, Lord. Especially, I commit today, Gurjit and her family, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will reach out and you will touch her. Heal them, Lord. Heal them. Kiran and his family, Kiran's brother and his family, and all the others, Lord, who have asked for prayer, so many. Oh, Lord, that you would touch them and you would heal them. Thank you, Lord, Elsa, as well. Just thank you, Father, that you are always there for us. You said to us in your word, we'll go through the fire. It won't burn us. We'll go through the waters. It will not drown us. For you are with us. And I believe and I pray and I proclaim and I confess. We may go through the COVID, but we'll come through it. Stronger, even more determined to serve you. Unto the end. So this morning, even as we come to the ministry of the Word of God, the Word that you have committed to us, we pray that you would speak to us. As Peter said, the anointing would rest upon the speaker and the hearers, because only this anointing can do the work in us, Lord, and through us. Speak to us this morning. Thank you, thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> amen, amen, amen. We are with Judges chapter 6. We meaning those who are following. Those who are not, you are in Genesis 1. <laughs> Yet to read your Bible. 
Okay, but those who are listening, studying right now as a church, we are in Genesis, sorry, Judges chapter 6. We've been looking at it. Now, the fifth time over, we will see the same word repeated. It's a cycle and applies to all of us. They did again evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Okay, oppression. It is not that they did evil in their sight. It is that they did evil in God's sight. God's sight. And often we do evil in God's sight, even when we feel we are right, yet we are wrong. That's why John says, if any man says he is without sin, he makes God a liar. And the truth is not in us. In him. Okay, so please understand where we are going. We are not looking at these verses because we looked at it two days on Friday. So after 40 years of peace that was brought by two ladies, Barak and 10,000 men and the others who joined, they had 40 years of peace. One generation and next generation. This is fundamentally the issue. Why do we why do we go into this is because we do not pass the knowledge of God from generation to generation. Okay? But every generation has to be taught fresh. It is not enough. Every generation has to know God personally. Otherwise, what happens? You have one generation that knows God and the next generation moves into religion. That's what happens to Christianity. God does not have grandchildren. God has only children. So every generation, yeah, we have little ones sitting over here. We have little ones, but they really do not know God. But they're sitting, they're listening, they're hearing, they're understanding. But a day will come when they will personally know God. But in the meantime, they have to grow in that culture of the kingdom of God. So that they have this consciousness, this is right and this is wrong. And there is a God, and there is a Father who loves us, who gave his only son for us. And one day, like Samuel, the Bible says he did not know God. He had never heard from God. Okay? God speaks to him. <clears throat> Probably speaks in the voice of the high priest, but later he finds it was God who spoke. And after that, his life changes. So, this is the mistake they make. This is the mistake they make, each one. And God hands them over. And God hands us over into the flesh. God hands us over in the hands of the enemy. Hands over. And suddenly we realize, instead of overcoming sin, reigning over sin, or reigning over flesh, flesh reigns over us. Instead of reigning on powers of darkness, you shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. They start oppressing us. You know why? It's because God hands over. God hands over. Okay, so... That's why. So that's what we've seen. It's a cycle they go through. And this time it is Midianites. And as we know in Genesis 6, sorry, Judges 6, there is no leader mentioned. It's no leader mentioned. Earlier we had leaders of the enemy mentioned. It is general. Okay? And they come like locusts. And the Israelites are trying to save their harvest. They are fearful. They come during the harvest. They take everything away. Leave the whole land destroyed and they go. And they come back next season. Okay, and we will see this cycle sometimes in our own lives. When everything seems to be ready for harvest, everything is gone. And you have to go back and start all over again. And when you talk, okay, this is the time to, and it's again gone. 
So we have to also identify how the enemies work so that we know how to fight them. <clears throat> and it's in the midst of it when they are crying. Seven years of oppression. It takes them seven years to cry out. You know why? Like we said on Friday, God is very rarely our first option. <clears throat> our first option in GTC is Elsa. Last but one option is Pastor James. <laughs> and the final option is God. In between, what other options are there? I do not know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Because we will always say we are sheep. After all, we are sheep. So what do we say? Ma. <laughs> 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 right? <laughs> so God sends an unnamed <laughs> God sends an unnamed prophet to warn you. But that privilege we do not have because you have only two prophets who are very well known and named. No unnamed prophet is allowed into the pulpit, so you don't get a warning. You have to get warnings from the named prophets. Okay, and sometimes you get tired because the face is familiar, the voice is familiar, the scolding is familiar. So you're looking for some unnamed person to come. Maybe one day God will send him and I will let him preach. Till then you have to suffer us. Okay, then we have the angel of the Lord appearing. Okay, Gideon is in a wine press. Okay, he's in a wine press. So we need to understand when the angel of the Lord appears, Gideon is not in church. He's not even in the Bible study. He's not even during worship practice. He's hiding in a wine press, trying to save his harvest. And joke of all jokes, the angel comes and addresses him as mighty warrior. Okay, So you don't have to be in church for God to call you mighty warrior. You do not have to be in Bible study where God says, oh, I see you taking notes, mighty warrior. Or you don't have to be during worship practice. Okay, worship practice is one thing, worship is one thing. Worship practice, you sing well when you have to come front where the public watches your voice cracks. Okay, this is called the fright of Gideon. Okay. Somebody knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> That's when we know some people are genuinely scripturally made, fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay. So you don't have to be in any of these places. For God to call you, but he calls you. <clears throat> Why? God does not see you the way you see yourself. God does not see you the way your neighbors see yourself. Okay, You may be fearful. You may be fleeing. You may be hiding. And God still comes and speaks to you. Gideon was hiding in a wine press when God came and addressed him. Jacob was running from his brother in the wilderness of Haran. He was, sun had set with his head on a stone because he didn't even have a pillow when God comes down and speaks to him. Moses has been hiding in the backside of a wilderness for 40 years and God speaks to him from a burning bush. And this is all fearful weak men. Okay. So the simple lesson is that let your ears be open. You never know when and where God will speak to you. The most strange places. You know, one of my really, really good friends, she's in Singapore now. She's a Brahmin convert from Tamil Nadu. Studied with me. I mean, she was doing her PhD in Iflu. And I was her junior. When she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, 
she got baptized in the Holy Spirit in an auto. <coughs> she was going somewhere. And the auto driver is a Gentile. And she's been asking the Lord, baptize me, Lord, with your spirit. And he baptized her in the auto. And she started praying in tongues. And the auto driver said, Amma, what is this? You never know because you will think it has to be the right ambience, the right setting. An anointed man has to come and lay hands upon him. That is said in the Bible. Said in the Bible. Okay. So don't put God in a box. Let our ears be open. You will never know where God will come and speak to you. And when he speaks to you, he speaks to you as he sees you in Christ. He does not speak to you as you see yourself or I see myself or as somebody else sees you. Okay. In Numbers 23, verses 19 to 24, we know this portion. This is a hired prophet who has been called to curse Israel. And this is what he opens his mouth and is he is not able to speak what he's been bought for. He speaks what the Spirit of God speaks through him. God is not a man that he should lie nor a man that he should repent. Has he said? Will he not do? Or has he spoken? And will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless, and he has blessed, and I cannot reverse. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. There is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, Oh, what God has done. Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. Okay, now who is he talking about? He's talking about Christ. Israel in Christ. So when he speaks to us, he's speaking about the Christ in us. You need to when he says, oh, Gideon is a mighty warrior. No, the Christ in him, if he believes, Christ in him is a mighty warrior. Christ has never lost. Christ cannot lose. We lose because we try to live our lives. If we let him live his life through us, can never lose. Cannot be defeated. It's impossible for Christ to be defeated. So, that's why God calls us to live by faith. Because it's only by faith Christ can live through us. The minute I step out of faith for five minutes, I live, I lose. So Galatians 2.20 in KJV is the secret of Apostle Paul. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why nothing could defeat Paul. We'll look at his beatings, his imprisonment, his all that. But in in all that is victorious. The enemy couldn't touch his soul. He couldn't touch his mind. Couldn't cause him to curse, to doubt. It didn't cause him to stop praising God. Okay, That's when you know you are defeated. Through it all, he's victorious. Because what the enemy can do to you is to your body. That's not defeat. If he gets hold of your mind, you're defeated. Then you're defeated. Because mind is part of your soul. If he gets hold of your mind, you are defeated. 
And that's one thing you will see. The enemy could never touch Jesus' mind. And Paul learned. This is the secret. If I allow myself to live, I will be defeated. If I allow Christ to live in me, I cannot be defeated. Death, nothing can defeat me. So this is a simple, simple gospel. Okay. So we come to verse 13. Friday we looked at that. This is Gideon's question. You know? Gideon said to me, Oh my Lord, can we have this 13 alone? <clears throat> because that will give the font bigger. Gideon said to him, Oh my God, if the Lord is with you, because what the angel says, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. A simple question. If God is with us, simple logical question. Why then has all these things happened to us? That's a question. You know, this, I'm a Christian. We go to church regularly, attend every Bible study, but why are all these things happening to us? Right? Where are all these miracles our father taught us about? You heard about all this miracle working God, but in my life there is no miracle. Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? Now the Lord has forsaken us. He makes us ask two questions and makes a statement. Okay, because his answers to those two questions he has is wrong, so he makes a wrong statement. Partially true and false. What is that? Now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. What is true? God has handed them into the hands of the Midianites. What is false? He never forsakes his people. He never forsakes his people. So let us get it right. So the question he asks is, why has all these things happened? I want to go back to that because this is a fundamental question people are asking everywhere. Look at the pandemic. Look at the lockdown. Look at demonic forces and their leaders taking over this world. Okay? Uh, this seems to be, nothing seems to be stopping them. Okay? At the individual level, at the national level, people ask this question. Why has all these things happened? These things happen not because God is not with us, but because God is with us. That's how believers have to look at. First Peter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. Peter, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Yes, you are going through this trial, not because Christ is not with you, but actually because Christ is with you. Christ is with you. Okay? That is the theology we struggle from. Okay? That certain things can happen. Good things, bad things can happen to good people because God is with them. Okay. And good things can happen to bad people because God is not with them. That doesn't fit in with our theology. I'm not saying always. I'm not saying always. But it does happen in the Bible. For 22, 20 years, no bad thing happened to Jacob's ten sons. For 13 years, only bad things happened to one son. But the bad things happened to that one son because God was with him. And good things happened to the or no bad thing happened to them because God was not with them. Okay. So sometimes our theology, if you put if you don't get our facts right, will go out of the window. So be very, very careful how we 
Then they ask, where are all the miracles? Gideon asks, where are all the miracles? My God is a miracle working God. And he said, like I said, we get excited about miracles. And we should get excited of miracles. But primarily, what is a miracle? How do you define a miracle? I try to define a miracle. Miracles are always extraordinary events. They are always supernatural events. And it always, almost always, involves a suspension of natural laws established by God. You see a direct intervention of God. Okay? It can be for a person or a group of persons. You will see, if you see lots of miracles in the Bible, and almost in every case, there is a suspension of natural laws. Natural laws. How can an accident float? How can five loaves and two fish feed 5,000 plus people? How can a man who's been sitting lame for 38 years just walk at the command of another man? I mean, he could pick any miracle in the Bible. There is something there, it overrules the natural laws established by God. And God alone can overrule it. And he uses vessels through whom he overrules, or he has directly overruled. Therefore, we get excited by miracles. And we need miracles, because we live in a fallen world. We need miracles. But, miracle, like I said, is not the norm. Yesterday, Pastor Vijay and Ma and we were discussing and I was telling. Miracle is not the norm. The norm is blessings. Miracle is an aberration. The norm is blessing. We are not supposed to be a people living from miracle to miracle. We are supposed to be a people living under the blessings of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, we just read a few verses, 1 to 4. There's too many verses there, but we'll just read it. Now it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of God, of the Lord your God, observe carefully all his commands, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these miracles. It's not these miracles. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offering of your flocks. You can read further. It's interesting. Okay. Blessed shall be your basket. Your need. So if some mother gets upset, okay, he said your kitchen is also blessed. Blessed shall be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way, flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command blessing on you in your storehouses, in all to which you set your hand. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as you have sworn to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in your way. This was Israel's destiny. This was Israel's destiny. So for Israel, if they listened to God's voice, obeyed his commands, and walked in his ways, he said, you you don't need miracles. The miracle you will have is when your enemies come against me. Then they will know the God of Israel is a miracle-working God. They will come in one formation, not in seven. Okay. Okay. And that's, you'll always see that. 
enemy is 1 million, Israel is 500,000. Odds are always 1 to 2, 1 to 10, 1 to 150, 1 to 250. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Okay, so it's just it. But the condition is this. Listen to my voice. Diligently listen to my voice. Obey my commands and walk in my ways. And you don't even have to worry. You will never be able to outrun my blessings. You run as much fast as you want. Oh, Lord, too much, Lord, too much. I can't handle it. It will still overtake you. Blessings will overtake you. will pursue you. Today what we see in the world is people pursuing blessings. This is the other way. You are pursuing God. The blessings pursue and they overtake you. Okay? So understand, this is how Israel was called to live. This is how the church is called to live. The norm is, so he is asking this question, where are the miracles? <laughs> when do we need miracles? Because when we fall away from the ways of God, the voice of God, the word of God, then we need divine intervention. And we saw on Friday what happens when this operation comes. The four reasons why God's people go through what they go through. Okay, I'm not talking about the world. World is a different matter altogether. God says he just let take his hand over. You go whichever way you want. I have only message for the world. Repent. But as far as his children are concerned, when bad things happen, terrible things happen, first reason can be sin. We looked at it, the solution to that. Second reason, big reason, is ignorance. Ignorance is a big killer. Big killer. You may be a good person, actually. You don't sin like others do. But you are ignorant about the voice of God, the commandments of God, and the ways of God. It will still kill you. Let us say, 2020, by the month of March, February, March, COVID-19 was established. How many people have died? They did not actually die, and people are still not dying primarily because of disease. They're dying because of ignorance. Because we still haven't figured out this disease. It's mutating, its variants are coming in. And like all the other diseases, even when it comes to cancer, the doctors know what to do. With this, it's still not very sure. We're still learning in the process. What happens with the virus that keeps on mutating? Like one of the best vaccines, they're saying the South African mutant will not, that vaccine won't work with it. Okay? So you need to, and people also, like, you know, when you, the doctors, the experts do not know exactly how this virus works, then what about the general population? So ignorance skills. Ignorance skills. Okay, so we know it, ignorance skills. Ignorance can really, really, and one of the simple examples I always used to is that imagine a person um, crossing a desert, he lost everything, he has no food, he has no water, somehow he manages after a few days to reach civilization, and they look at him, his tongue is all swollen, dehydrated, he hasn't eaten, and they try to give him a bottle of water and feed him. You know what will happen? He will die. He will die. But wasn't the intention good? He's thirsty. He needs water. He has not eaten. Let us feed him. And his mind is desperate. It wants it. But if he takes it, actually he dies. Because the system cannot handle it. 
Okay? Cannot handle it. So hold it. They used to put drops, drops, slowly, 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 slowly. Okay? So ignorance can kill us in anywhere. Okay? Even in the world, ignorance can kill us. So sin is there. Ignorance is there. But the third one we looked was probably the strange one. Sometimes bad things happen to righteous people because they are righteous. Because they are righteous. Okay? Then I said, there is something that is common to human race. But let us leave it said, even for that, God has given us protection. So we see the blessings of the old covenant. Blessings of the old covenant. And this is the blessings of obedience. But he turned to Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 to 11. If the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. What is that? Old covenant. So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? So when you are looking at the promises of the Old Testament, the blessings of the Old Testament, he says, wow. God says, you know what? The new covenant was more glorious, is more glorious than the old covenant. So we are actually better off today under the new covenant by any parameter. Any parameter. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 7 onwards. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. What does it mean? First covenant was faulty. Because finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I will disregard them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. So the new covenant is far, far superior to the old covenant. So if there was these blessings in the old covenant that pursued and overtook them, then there should be even greater blessings in the new covenant that pursues and overtakes us. More than it doesn't even pursue and overtakes us. That blessing lives in us in the form of the Holy Spirit. This was the blessing of the Abraham, the Holy Spirit. So that's why for them, blessings were all outward and to be had to be enjoyed. For us, we are birthed into a blessing and the blessing is within us as the person of Christ and we know God. Okay? Therefore, in the new covenant, if you look at the principle in the new covenant, if a child of God suffers, he should only suffer for righteousness sake. No other sake. He should suffer. It is, it's, it's, so whenever they suffered for righteousness sake, they were very excited. Because they were sharing. There was a question for Q&A we haven't answered. What does it mean to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ? Those are the sufferings for righteousness sake. And they were very excited. They leaped in joy that they were counted worthy to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ. There are no other sufferings 
per se mentioned for the new covenant believer. New covenant believer. So a child, child of God, if he or she suffers for righteousness sake, she may or he may go through humiliation, through insults, false accusations, imprisonment, confiscation of property, torture, and death. Can be all forms. All because of obedience sake. So this is where the difference comes between the old and the new covenant. First Peter chapter 2, 19 to 21. First Peter, chapter 2. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering, wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, contradiction, you do good and suffer. If you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example, you should follow in his steps. So understand, there is a suffering that comes because of righteousness sake. Hebrews chapter 11. Sorry, 10, 32 to 35. Hebrews 10, 32 to 35. Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with what? When you got saved. And your eyes were opened. God comes to live within you. And you know God. You went through great sufferings. Why? Partly while you made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations. Partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. You had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. They were humiliated, insulted, many cases, down the centuries. Property was all taken simply because you were a Christian. And you refused to back down from that righteous statement. I belong to Christ. Property were taken. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 to 37, and then verse 38. Women received the dead raised to life. The previous portion is all about victory of faith where you get it. Second part is the victory of faith where you lose it. Both are victory. Okay. Others were tortured. Why? For righteousness sake. Not accepting deliverance. They are offered a deliverance. If you recant and say you are not a Christian and you bow to this idol like Daniel's three friends, you can go free. You may be even honored. That they might a better resurrection. Better resurrection. You know, in many Middle East countries, they offer it. If you are in prison and you are a non-Muslim, they will give an option. If you convert and become a Muslim, you can go free. Many of them become Muslims there. Just to get out of jail. Many, many become. Okay. Many become. Here also, in this country also. All the schools are, good schools were always in the hands of Christians. And there is quota for Christians. And so many people will become Christian just for admission in a good school for their children. I know. They even became professors in colleges where I studied. And they were not genuine Christians. But they knew if I joined this church and get the quota, one day I can become a prof here. Because you have quota. So, you have to look at, and here they refuse deliverance. 
They refused deliverance. Still others had mockings and scourgings and yes of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn into two. They were tempted, slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, torment, of whom the world was not worthy. But what is the statement? God says, you know what? They were too good for this world. So, when you covenant believers for righteousness sake, if God is for me, why are these things happening to me? The answer is these things are happening to you because God is with you. And they hate the Christ in you. They hate him. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. Understand that. Understand that. No? There is a demonic hatred of the world towards Christ, not towards you. That's why a lot of Christians hide their Christianity. Very carefully hide Christ in them because they know Christ is hated. The world hates Christ. Simply because one of the primary statements he's made, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man. If you are a genuine believer, if you tell that statement even to a Catholic, they will hate you. Because there are two ways in Catholicism. But there is only one way to heaven. That's Christ. You know? So we hide this true picture of Christ because we don't want the hatred of the world. But God says, no, Tr- trouble can come because of sin. Trouble can come because of ignorance. But trouble can come because of righteousness sake. The righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. So we have to get our perspective very, very clear. Very, very clear because the world is going through unprecedented crisis, unending. When we thought, like even in India, we thought we got COVID under control, we suddenly realized we have lost control completely. Worse than last year this time, completely lost control. And the government will not do nothing about it because elections are going on. So power is more important than any restrictions. So government mandate comes in from chief secretaries will send all these mandates, wear mass social distancing. The leaders of the country are going with no mass, full of crowds. Chief secretary is supposed to be working under them. So one person is contradicting the other person. You know why? Because power. Power. Wait till May. When the elections are over, all suddenly they will all start speaking, wear mask and no social distancing. It's a contradiction. They sound very righteous. It's a contradiction. Okay, But we are going through a crisis. Unbelievable crisis. Nobody has any clue when this will end. Okay, So how do we handle these things? Do we have the same question which Gideon asks? We have gone through one year of oppression of the pandemic. And we are looking probably for one more year. One more year. Okay. <coughs> People are who got vaccination are getting COVID. People who got vaccinated have died of COVID. Okay, so now will it suddenly become that every year you have to get booster shot, booster shot, booster shot till you die? Very sure. Only one fundamental lesson we have learned through COVID is life is very simple. <laughs> you don't need too many things to survive. Okay, very simple. It's not complicated. It's not very complicated. But when you're looking at it, the question is, do we ask like God, Lord, what year of this operation, where are you? Where are your miracles? 
Okay? We have heard about your miracles. We read about your miracles. So why are you not doing a miracle? Why is not there a vaccine that gives you 100% safety, Lord? You can work a miracle. Where are you as the world is going through this crisis? Because genuine believers are also suffering. You may have these questions. So we need to be very, very careful about New Testament perspectives. When we go through situations, why? James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, and then Romans 5, then Romans 8. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The patience having its perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking, nothing. See, whenever we think about a crisis, if you look at it objectively, actually that crisis only affects our body. Right? Let us think about sickness. It affects our body. Poverty affects our body. Starvation affects our body. But God is primarily in the business of saving our soul. Okay? And those who are saved, he's on the process of perfecting their soul. How do you know your soul is being perfected? Bible says, with one sacrifice, he has perfected everyone who are being sanctified. So if you are not being sanctified, you will not be perfected. So sanctification is a very important part of the ministry. And sanctification is primarily connected with the soul and the body is an enemy to sanctification. Okay, understand. If you are saved, you are being sanctified. If you are being sanctified, you have hope of being perfected. If you are not being sanctified, be very, very careful. Be very, very careful. So God is in the, God is in such a kind of business. You will use servants like Paul to hand a person's body over to Satan so that his soul can be saved. And God is such a kind of a person who will take the body of his servant Paul and allow Satan to afflict him so that his soul will be perfected. Here is Paul handing somebody to Satan and here is God handing Paul's body to Satan. Hmm? A special messenger, special courier it came. Hmm? Afflicted. Three times I prayed, three times God said no. Okay, so please understand. Otherwise, we won't get perspective, right? Why, Lord? Why are these things happening to me? He says, I'm perfecting your soul. That's why he said, he didn't say, I will take you over the water. Sometimes, yes. He said, I will take you through the water. I'll take you through the fire. What is this supposed to do to us? It's supposed to sanctify us. So the simple question is, after one year of COVID, have we become more sanctified? Have you learned to handle disease and the fear and the scarcity and looking at all these things? Have we grown stronger in faith today? Can we truly, truly say April the 14th, today's 14th, right? Or 13, 13, April the 13th, 2021 and April the 13th, 2020 when the lockdown had just begun. I am much more confident in my God, in my walk and where I'm going today than before, though the past one year has been bad. Then the pandemic has worked. The trial has worked. The testing has worked. That's the key. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. They were having been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Also, we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Present, where do we always stand? It's always grace. 
We are not standing in grace. We didn't receive his invitation. We refused his invitation. What is the daily invitation? Come boldly, come confidently through the throne room of grace, receive mercy and grace for every need. That's a daily father's invitation. Come to my table. Sup, the table is full of grace. You are a child. Come to the table. It's a table of grace. So by faith, into this grace in which we stand. It is present continuous. It's talking about today. Peace is talking about the past. And then when you're standing in grace today, you're not worried about the pandemic tomorrow because all we see is glory. Okay, Like every time we hear about somebody dying from any one of the churches, we say, you know what? The response is instant glory. Instant glory. And not only this, who comes? We exult. You know what exult means? Extreme joy. You know? Okay. That's when the two balls to go, eight runs. <laughs> hmm? Eight runs. Fifth ball, you take a two. And the final ball, the only way you can win is a sixer. And when that fellow, maybe the tail end batsman, he hits a sixer, you see the crowd going crazy, his team coming and everybody, you know, that's what we exult in our this is the problem in our tribulation knowing that the problem is that we are not understanding what it does and we don't excel because it is not causing these things in us we are just being troubled without perseverance we are just going through pain and sorrow and suffering without perseverance without character then it is of no effect God is not a sadist over there inflicting pain upon his children he allows pain in the lives of his children that through that the character of Christ can be formed and if it is not being formed and when it is not being formed we have no joy we have no joy so the end product has to be there have I become more patient than before am I able to really rejoice in the midst am I able to be patient I know God will come through I know he will come through he will come through he will not deny himself. He is faithful. You realize the delay has gone too long. No, you realize he will come through. He will come through. Because these are important character qualities which God requires to reign in heaven one day. We don't realize everyone who got saved automatically got, in Indian words, got admitted into the Indian Administrative Service College in Dehradun. Everybody who passes and gets selected to IAS go there. Everybody comes into IPS, come to Hyderabad, Sardar Vallabhai Patel Academy over here. They have to finish that course, then they are posted into the government of India to rule us. We don't realize everyone who got born again automatically got admitted into a course over here. Royal Administrative Service. A training. Whoever finishes this can be absolutely sure that you will rule there. Paul is very sure. He finished it, and I finished well. I have finished with honors. I see my crown. The scepter of his kingdom is the scepter of righteousness. And what does he see? He sees the crown of righteousness. He says, I'm sure, Pakka, royal civil service. I will reign. I will reign. Unless we see, we will struggle. Romans 8, 16 and 18. You'll see it's consistent in the word of God. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. We are the children of God. Let me ask you this people who are sitting here, the young people also sitting over there. How do you know you are a child of God? I know. I mean, we know this text. But how do we know? I'm talking, I'm not talking about the older ones who've been in the Lord for a long time. There are a lot of young people who struggle. 
How do you know? I will tell you how you know. You will know when you sin. You will know when you disobey. Immediately, the person inside, the spirit, will speak to you. He leaves the Gentiles aside. He doesn't speak to them. But he speaks to us. He speaks to us. Bears witness. Why? We are the children of God. And verse 6, 17, 18. If children, then heirs. And heirs of God. Join heirs with Christ. That much we like. After that, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. We have to go through his sufferings. There's no sufferings, no glory. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He doesn't even compare it. We have one mother, two mothers sitting over here, three. We have mothers sitting over here. You ask, and the children are sitting over here. One baby fell asleep because she went jogging early in the morning. The others are awake. Okay, so my children are sitting here. The mothers are sitting here. How many times, let us talk about savored Jacinth because Abigail is 10 years old. So in these 10 years, how many times have you talked about your labor pains? Never. She talks about Abigail. She doesn't talk about labor pains. And that's what the Bible says. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with. Every time she looks at Abigail, I remember how you caused me to suffer. No, she doesn't. She never says that. Never says that. It doesn't even cross her mind. And Paul is such a man when he's living, when he's going through labor pains. When they're going through labor pains, their mother tongue and all comes out. I wish, I wish this man, okay, that's when the husband is, is free for all. He gets everything. Okay, okay, okay. But in his case, he's going through these sufferings. He's in prison, he's beaten, he goes through it all, but he says, all oh, this is nothing. Compared with the glory that I have, no, which will be revealed one day. You see, when he's going through pain, he's able to exult of a day that is coming. That is character. That is character. That is character. Then you know, you know what? It is worked. It is working. It is working. It is working. Working, and that's what he's trying to say. So there are evidences we have to look when you go through certain things. When we go through, how am I reacting to this? My reaction matters, right? So we have to get this confusion: miracles versus blessings. We need both, by the way. We need both. Okay, we will need miracles, but the way of life is the way of blessings. The old covenant way of life was the way of blessing. The new covenant way of life is blessing. Only problem is a slight difference. You know, no old covenant saint if you were to be brought today and says, read the gospel according to Matthew from chapter 5 verses 1. He says, I don't want this. I want to go back to the Old Testament. Blessed are the poor in the spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who moan and grieve. It's a completely different tangent. And the question is, am I blessed? Or am I just looking for a miracle to get out of my situation? It's a simple question. 
you know. When they were under oppression, they were looking for a miracle. Lord, please send a miracle worker. Deliver, deliver us out of this situation. It's a simple question God is asking us that. I can deliver you out of your situation. Are you blessed? You just want a miracle. Okay. And he will do both, by the way, okay? Because these things matter. Perspective matters. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter 4. 16 and 18, 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why? Even though our outward man is perishing. <clears throat> okay, let's be honest about it. If you don't have the faith to believe and consistently believe and walk in it, a lot of people who have come through COVID will go with lots of other symptoms and issues. Because this virus, the virus itself is not sure about the virus. What it does to the human body, right, is doing, it will have. So, whether you like it or not, all around the world, whether you are young or old, the outward man is perishing. Okay? But we do not lose heart. Why? Because the inward man is being sanctified. You see in the inward man how you are handling. Actually, it's a very good thing. One year, the COVID hasn't gone. Hasn't gone. Many people have got it multiple times. Multiple times. And you have to be careful. Because if you get it multiple times, it can lead to much, even more complications. Okay, so you have to be careful about it. But the question is, each time you go through any particular crisis, whether it's a disease or a death in the family or debt, loss of money, loss of job, when you go through this, the question is, you look inside, don't look outside. How am I reacting to this? Is my inward man being renewed? Verse 17. For our light affliction is but for a moment. It is not actually for a moment. By the way, it can be for years. The COVID itself is over a year old. But it is comparison. It is comparison. Which is but for a moment. How? It's working for us a far more exceeding and it Eternal weight of glory. Why? How, how does it become a moment when you compare it to eternity? Compare it to eternity. In the world, it doesn't work like that. If a, Dr. Richard is sitting over here. Okay, he's been a doctor. He's a young doctor. So if you actually look at his life, he studied more than he worked. So he can't say my study was a momentary affliction. It was a long affliction. It sometimes it never looked like it was never going to end. You know, ten years, ten years of schooling before that, four years of schooling at home and neighbor and everybody was teaching you. Then ten years of schooling, two years of plus two, five years of MBBS, and then MD. It never seems to end. And don't tell me you enjoy studies. It is affliction. Okay. Except for Pastor Vijay, we this math, okay? Rest of us, it's all affliction. Math was affliction for us, right? But he enjoys math. So it's not, I mean, honestly, after a period of time in your life, when you come to a point in your life, all of you sitting over here, young people, you have to choose a subject you like and you love. Should, after a point, you have to love your studies. So it's not, there's no point. There's no point, okay? Why does he enjoy what he because he loves math. I didn't like math, but I like something else. But that's the only decision I made till then in my life. The only time I had an autonomy that was in secret, they had no clue. 
I went and put in my papers, application for BA English. And nobody knew. Okay. Every other decision was made for you. Math, 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 math. Here I am trying to escape the furnace. And there is no fourth man walking with me. <laughs> I was hoping the ropes would come out. The ropes are getting tighter only. So finally, I got an opportunity to apply on my own. And after that, it was a different thing. I enjoyed. I was doing something which I enjoyed. He did something which I enjoyed. So after a point, okay, just don't be thinking about career job. Whatever you do, you should enjoy it. Enjoy it, okay? So there are many subjects. And see, which subject do you like which subject do you do you love? Again, because children are small, like Abigail and all, they can be taught to love things. Taught to love. But that also, after, beyond a point, you can't do that. After some time, you will realize, like, trying to teach a non-musically inclined child music, you can do everything you want, take them for numpy, keyboard, drum, after some time, you see this child is not interested at all. You are interested, the child is not interested. After some time, you need to realize, okay, you know what, just leave it. This is not what the child is interested in. Suddenly you will realize the child is probably inclined towards something else. Okay, so be, please give children that autonomy. Don't try to live vicariously through your children. I I never could play a guitar before. You must learn. No, okay? Because every one of us, God has a plan, which is not the father's plan. It's a different plan. Okay, different plan. It is not the same plan. Okay, it is a, that's why the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, but you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they are three different people. Nothing common about these three people. Except a few little things, they were fearful. That is the only common thing. If you look at their lives, they're not same at all. They're not same at all. So don't try that to clone your children. That's what science does. God doesn't. Okay. So, I like the verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Now, it is not an easy thing. How do I look at the things that cannot be seen? Because the statement says you cannot see. Hmm? How cute. There is no scanning machine that shows future. How do you see? You see only by eyes of faith. You go through the word of God and you look through the promises of God and you look what lies in the future. You see, when Paul is writing 2 Corinthians, John hasn't even written Revelation. But Paul has gone to the heavens and seen. Okay, Before John got Revelation, Paul saw Revelation. Paul was not allowed to write it because he was somebody who was born out of time. The problem is this fellow not only was, sorry, sort fellow apostle was not only born out of time, he also saw things before time. <laughs> so he was not allowed to reveal it. He says he heard things that could not be uttered. Could not be uttered. So that is where things come from. But we don't need to have a vision. If God gives you, God bless you. We don't need that. We have the book of Revelation. Especially the last two chapters. Mind-blowing chapters. When you look at it, you see through eyes of faith. And you know what? And you look at everything that happens in this life with that. And you realize, you know, it, the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. Things which are seen are temporary. What is COVID? Temporary. What's lockdown? Temporary. What is scarcity? Temporary. What is famine? 
everything is temporary. What is not seen are eternal. Even the the goal you are striving for, or you lost, or you missed, or you were taken away from you, whichever way you want to look at it, that also is temporary. Let's say President Trump did not become Trump president. He lost. No, he didn't lose. It was stolen. But they say it was lost. You think seven years from now, eight years from now, it's going to bother him? going to bother him. God forbid, I'm not saying anything. Nothing will happen, but I'm saying, let us say tomorrow he has a heart attack. It is major. Do you think he's going to worry about the election he lost? The Redeemer he has to meet. <coughs> because why I'm saying this is the greatest office on planet Earth. Hmm? planet Earth. Biden is president. Every second day he's falling down the stairs. You think he's sitting up a chair or about meeting his maker? Meaning, honestly, you can't. You can't go higher than that if you turn turns of ambition. But I'm saying, even that is temporary. Even that is temporary. Are our eyes on things that is eternal? So God says, you know, all these things are temporary. So for this, why I'm saying is for the sake of righteousness, if the crowns you are aiming on earth were taken away from you, don't get so upset. If it is for the sake of righteousness. Don't get upset. Don't get upset. Get more upset about losing on that other side because it is eternal. We saw yesterday on Sunday from Pastor Vijay. Hebrews. It's appointed unto every man to die. Okay. Not two times, once. And after that it is. And judgment is set. Once that judgment is, you cannot reverse that judgment. You cannot reverse. You know, even the judgment of the Supreme Court can be reversed. Another Chief Justice comes, somebody files a petition about a judgment in the Supreme Court. It has happened here. A full bench sits and reverses the problem, previous order, and reverses it. And then a new one becomes a new judgment. But God's judgment seat cannot be reversed. It is set. It is permanent. So we should be more concerned about that than about temporary things. Okay, so we look at life differently in the new covenant. Old covenant was a different thing altogether. Old covenant was all, the eyes were on the temporary, the physical. New covenant, our eyes are not, though we live in the temporary, our eyes are not in the temporary. If our eyes are on the temporary, there is a major issue. I'm not saying for new believers, children. I'm talking about senior, older believers. Why? Because the spirit who is within us will always turn our eyes to the eternal. He's not interested so much in the temporary. He's interested in the eternal. And because he's working eternity in through us, he's interested in who we become in eternity. Therefore, he will put us through everything. You see, you may have one coach for the entire cricket team, but the way he coaches the 11 players is not the same way. He knows this one's weakness. He knows that one's strength. So he trains them differently. In the same way, the same spirit lives in all of us, but he doesn't put us through the same trials because he knows each one, where we need to be framed, when we need to be strengthened, where I am weak, where you are strong, he alone knows. So it may also look we are going through the same kind of fiery trials, but they are not the same. Two sisters may sit and talk, oh, my husband is terrible. That one says, my husband is terrible. What does your husband do? What does... You'll see, they're both terrible, but they do different things. <laughs> they're not the same. 
And he will say, and both are believers. Say, why is your husband like that? Why is your husband like that? Ask the Holy Spirit, he will tell you why. You need patience. You need something else. That's why though both you are in trouble, your husbands are different. They give you different kinds of trouble. Like the old man of God said, no? God only said, pick up your cross and follow me. Hammer and nails will be produced, will be freely given on the way. He never said, pick up your cross, take a hammer and a bag full of nails. He said, no, hammer and nails will be, will be. It is not the cross that is painful. It is the hammer and the nail. Okay. And we need to be prepared for it. So the blessings of the Old Testament and the New Covenant, yes, the blessings are greater, more fantastic. So when we go through this Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 to 11, okay, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's our problem. Our problem is we are empty in these earthen vessels. We are not aware of the treasure inside. Our reaction shows we are not aware of the Spirit of God that is inside the Spirit of Christ. Paul is very aware there is this treasure, this Christ in me. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of. We are hard pressed on every side and yet not crushed. Now no new covenant person, old covenant person will say that. He says we are hard pressed on every side and I flung my enemies aside. That's all right, says. He says, you know what? There is so much pressure on the earthen vessel, but it's still not cracking. It's not cracking. You know why? From inside, there is this glory of God that strengthens me. I haven't cracked under pressure. Richard Wimbrian went 14 years into an underground prison under the in Hungary. Many who went with him came out at raving madmen. He came full of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because there was treasure inside. He didn't crack under pressure. So that's the key. You may go through the same sickness or a same trial or something else. The question is, how do you come out? And why does God allow us to go through this to show the excellence of the power maybe of God? That is the key. That is the key. Two people may go through the same situation. But the key is, how do you come out of it? Okay, one person, like two couples, let us be realistic, two couples may go through separation or divorce. One person comes out bitter, other person comes out kinder and more loving and more patient. How did that happen? It's because of the one who is within. Relied on that, the power of God, hard pressed on every side, not crushed. We are perplexed because God doesn't always speak to you. Lord, I'm in this problem. Can you give me a solution? No answer. No answer. You will be restored. You will be hung. And when you go, go to the pharaohs, please remember me, okay? Joseph said, this guy went out and forgot straight away for two years. Lord, why? No answer from heaven. No answer from earth. Perplexed. But not in despair. Why? There is a dream. There is a word spoken to me. It will come to pass. Persecuted, but not? Oh, get that. Get that. What did Gideon say? Oh, God has forsaken us and delivered. Sorry, Gideon. Your theology is wrong. Your theology. You're persecuted, but you are never forsaken. Never forsaken. When you are being persecuted, he's right with you and he's going through the persecution with you. 
That's why he appeared in the fire. And he told Saul of Damascus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? But I'm not persecuting you. Yes, every time you touch a child of mine, they are not alone. I am not just with them. I am in them and going with them through what they are going through. Persecuted. Never forsaken. Never forsaken. God has never forsaken any one of his children. The only child he forsook for a season was his own son. That's why the son cried out, My Lord, my God, why have you forsaken me? For a season. Short season. He has never forsaken any of his children other than his only son. So your theology is wrong. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. See, if you and I can be destroyed, then our salvation is not true. If I am destroyed, then Christ is destroyed. I can be struck down. But I cannot be. I am indestructible. You are indestructible. Not because of who you are. Because of who is in us. Indestructible. Destructible. Okay. That is why God calls us to walk this life of faith. Because this life of faith is the faith of the Son of God himself. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. To that we are called. Hebrews 13.5 Let your conduct be without covetousness. Don't worry about it. Don't look, oh, he has that. Don't bother about that. Eyes haven't seen or ears heard what God is preparing. You know, but I like all the sisters sitting over here. All, almost everybody's ears are empty, no gold. It's good. Why do you want to put tar on your ears? No. Will you take tar from the road and put and put it on your ears? No. But that's what gold is in heaven. Tar. Walking on gold. And carrying it on your head here. What a, what a shameful thing, no? All the angels will, ayo, they're all carrying tar. <laughs> no? I mean, if you glory in it, otherwise there is no issue. I'll put something over there, you want to put it, it is okay. But you have to see perspective. Let your conduct be without cover. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never forsake you. That is the key. I will never forsake you. I will never forsake you. Okay. Let us simple, let's use illustrations which we see. Nations, right? You'll see in these nations. Let us say, rich people, poor people, everything. Election time, already before election time, there is this Prime Minister Modi going to visit slum area. Of course, immediate municipal corporation comes and changes the slum to look different, whitewashed, everything, and all, but still a slum. And on the way, he suddenly decides to stop into a hut and have chai with that family. He has chai with that family. Pictures are taken. He goes. After that, the house is different. Do they have anything? No. Still a slum. Hmm? Still sleeping on the floor. But what did the Bible say? Are you dissatisfied when you look at it? Are you forgotten who lives in you? Do you know who resides in you and resides with you? And you're worried that you have not so many things with the world. The world doesn't have what you have. The world can never have what you have unless you repent and change. That's why the, 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 Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. The world cannot know him or have him. But he is with you and he is in you. That's the key. That is the key. 
That's why we have to be very, very careful that we don't have an Old Testament picture, which is always outward. Houses that you never build, wells which you never gold and silver and cattle. All that is good. God can give that in the New Covenant also. But the New Covenant believer is not focused on that because he's focused on the one, the Prince of Heaven. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, dines with him every day. That's what Jesus said. And stand and knock at the door of your heart. If you open, I and my Father will come. We shall sup with you. Think about it. We thought, said about a man's hut where Prime Minister Modi ji went for chai. Imagine Prime Minister Modi likes him and said, you know, every time I come to Gujarat, I'm coming to your house. Okay, so once a year he goes to Gujarat and he goes to his house. After that, his house is even more. Modi ji chai pe charcha ne, dost ban gaya. And after that, Prime Minister says, you know what? I just want to visit his house. Every month he goes once. Still he has to go back to Delhi because he can't live in his house. In this case, the Prince of Heaven comes and lives with us. And still we are looking around the world and says, I don't have that, I don't have God. says, you have me, no? That's what the Apostles say. Silver and gold we do not have. But what we have? We have. Unless we turn our eyes to the eternal we will never appreciate what we have. And what we have is the very Spirit of God. Very Spirit of God. Unless we learn to appreciate what God has given, who He has given. Has given. Okay. When you appreciate that person of God, it is that person that brings into our consciousness all of who God is. Because Jesus said, the Spirit will come. He will teach you everything about me. He will take what is from me. And I got what is from the Father. So what is from the Father I have, what I have, the Spirit will show to you and give it to you. And then you realize, boy, I never knew I was loved so much. And that's why it says, what can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? But if our eyes are outward, even pandemic will not work on us. Famine will not work on us. Pestilence won't work on us. Earthquake will not work. These are all good teachers of how much God loves us in spite of all these things affecting our outward body. So attitude matters. Right? Hebrews, sorry, Romans 14, verse 17 and 18. We are looking in the new covenant to answer Gideon's first question. If God is for us, then why did all these things happen to us? For the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking. But most Christians believe it is eating and drinking. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Boy, touch somebody's diet. <laughs> I was teasing my wife the past few days. I'm not contending with your sickness. I'm contending the change of diet. <laughs> your diet has to change. Everything is going to change and you're so upset about it. <laughs> the doctor said, everything has to change now. Right. And you were so I said, haven't you eaten enough? <laughs> <laughs> haven't you eaten? We have all eaten enough. Right? 
Now let's change our diet because we have a race to run. We are not the people of the world. We have a race to, we have a work to finish. We have a race to run. Race to run. So any diet change is okay. It is okay. We can eat the things we never liked and give up the things we adored. It's not a problem. Why? The kingdom of God within us. It's not a matter of eating and drinking. But of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God. And approved by men. Approved by men, we're talking about the elders of the church. The ones who know God. Okay? The ones who are children will approve of those who eat and drink. <laughs> Isn't that true? First thing every child wakes up in the morning. What's for breakfast? Okay. Mm-hmm. A child wakes up and comes and asks, Daddy or Mommy, do you have a pearl of wisdom for me? Nothing, <laughs> never. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> All they want to know is, what is to eat? After that, can I go play? Right? So we need to understand, what is perspective? What is perspective? Because attitude matters. The kingdom of God, in the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we have this, we are on the right track. Right track. But the question is, how do you know your peace is genuine? How do you know your righteousness is genuine? How do you know it's righteous? Is it real or false? I, I, I tell about this old illustration. There was this lady and this gentleman who were in the aisle seat or the window seat and the middle seat. The rest aisle was, aisle was empty. And she was a pretty lady. So this man looked at her and said, Where are you going? He said, This city. Do you live there? He said, no, I'm on an assignment. I'm going back next week. He said, I'll give you a million dollars. She'll sleep with me one night. She said, I'm married. He said, that's okay. I'm not asking you to marry me. Just one night, a million dollars. She said, she was quiet. After 10 minutes, she said, okay. One million dollars, right? He said, no, the price has changed. She said, what do you mean? She said, he said, $10. He said, what? $10 for one night? What do you think? I'm a prostitute. He said, that already has been decided. We are just negotiating the price. Just negotiating the price. How do you know you're righteous? And it is the righteousness of God. Unless you're tested. Your righteousness is tested. It's the righteousness of the world. It's the righteousness of the law. But there is the righteousness of Christ. It's different. You can be legally very righteous. There are a lot of righteous people in the Indian system, Hindus, Muslims, very righteous people. But that's not the righteousness of Christ. The righteousness of Christ is different. And God will test us so that we know the righteousness that I have is a righteousness that comes by faith and faith alone. And it is not the righteousness of man. It's not even the righteousness of the law. It's the righteousness that comes by faith. Because only the righteousness is accepted before God. And peace. When everything goes well, we are all at peace. Like I said, husband is an archangel, wife is a seraphim, children are cherubims. I have peace. Big deal. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't be like that. It's when the husband, the second cousin of Lucifer. <laughs> and, and wife is Sophia. <laughs> and the children are little imps. The question is, do you have peace? Let's begin at the house. Let's forget the nation aside. Okay. Do you have peace? That's a question. Peace. Peace with God and peace with man is a huge thing. One of the interesting parts, which, okay, I know he had a sleepy habit, but I believe after the baptism and ministry, it has kind of probably changed. Peter is going to be executed the next day. And the thing is that he's so fast asleep. Have you ever seen a man who's going to be hanged or executed the next day sleeping like that? He is sleeping so soundly, literally the angel has to smack him to wake him up. What could be the peace of his heart? We have one little problem. We are not able turning this side and turning that side. I am not able to sleep at all. Today I am not going to work because I couldn't sleep. Why? Because my husband said, boo! That's it. Finish. Peace is gone. I got migraine. I got whole wheat grain. Everything we have. Do you know how people react? And this man is fast asleep the day before his execution. He has no divine visitation. Angel is coming to take. He has nothing. That is absolutely at peace with God. And peace with man. Think about it. This is what God is talking about. And this is genuine. This is real. This is what God is talking about. That's a very tech-savvy person. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then, what about joy? Can our joy be tested? Can our joy be tested? Okay. That's why I keep saying that the most stunning lines for me in the book of Acts is Acts chapter 16 that they were singing. Because ultimately, uh, you sing when you're happy. Even if you are not a singer, you still make a joyful noise. Okay. And they are singing. They were humiliated first, that they were stripped. Second, they were flogged. If you know, they will tie you down to this post in every city for flogging, like in Muslim countries. You will see them, and they flog them. Okay. And the funny thing is they are stripped, and they are being flogged. And I believe personally, and I believe I am true, the Holy Spirit is telling Paul, don't say you are a Roman citizen. Keep quiet, take it. He will send it only the next day. They cannot flog a Roman citizen. And he's taking that affliction knowing he has the power to deliver himself. Remember what the Hebrews 11 said? They did not accept deliverance. And he had the power to deliver himself. Can you flog a Roman citizen? They were frightened when he said that. But he did say that. Humiliated, beaten, thrown into the prison. And what are they doing? They are singing. This is what God is saying about. Unless I test you, how will you know? How will you know? We have lots of spiritual enemies around the world. One of the things they said is that the worst thing to do was put them both into that COVID ward. Why? 
because nobody can visit them only things these two people are doing they are praying and singing even the hospital wanted us out as fast as possible they wanted us out because you come for blood test blood test blood test and what is this madam doing praying in tongues praying in tongues praying things praying 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 in tongues and what am i doing sit me reading my bible cool honey it's okay and then when they go we are praying so those should know inside they hate christ they want us out out of this place as fast as possible we need to ask ourselves in our situations what do we do what do we do god, can god use us in a dark room that was what the prison in philippi was it was a dark room midnight hour and what does the bible say they were singing and they were praying knowing paul from what i have known paul so far from reading paul seeing Christ through the gospels and Paul through his letters i am almost convinced you know what he was praying he was praying for the salvation of the captives in the prison and they were listening they were listening. they were not saying ayo oh, lord deliver he said lord there are so many years who haven't heard the gospel lord there's so many here lord who do not know lord thank you father you brought us into this midst of these people who do not know you lord Oh father i pray the light of the gospel will shine and they were listening these people are singing to their god and they are praying for us the bible says they were listening and suddenly the power of god comes the windows doors all open jailer comes to kill himself and paul says don't kill we are all here what did he say he didn't say we too are here he said we all are here we all are here you know why Paul and Silas chains came their chains also came Paul and Silas are righteous people they will not get up and go but these people were captivated by their worship and by their prayer and they refused to leave any prison break you know how they run this was the first prison doors that were opened and nobody broke out nobody broke out nobody left you know why because the power of the kingdom was being manifested that's what god says we have to be proven to ourselves not for anybody's sake we ourselves need to know that the kingdom in me is real the spirit of god in me is real we need to go through this otherwise we will not know we will not know and it is the test of our faith the test of a faith i said that's a most important test you will ever pass in life everything hinges on that you're saved by grace through faith you don't have to doubt the grace of god grace of god is grace of god you have to doubt your faith you doubt your faith is my faith real god says you can live without doubt how oh lord i will test your faith i will prove your faith as you go through situations you will realize you are coming through this situation only because it is my grace and grace alone it is not your money it is because my grace is flowing into your life and only grace can bring you out a grace can cause you to react like that grace can cause you to behave like that and for that grace only one way does that grace come in it's by faith and faith alone it's no other way grace can come into our lives That's why we don't teach so much about grace. 
we teach so much about faith. Yeah. We don't worry so much about electricity. We worry more about our plug point works. And our gadgets work. Because power is government's problem. My problem is that these things work. Okay. So I don't have to worry about grace. That's God's part. I have to be concerned about faith. Is my faith real? Is it gone? No, it's there, no? Okay. So there are blessings of righteousness. And there are sufferings of righteousness. They're both there. The blessings of righteousness and there are sufferings of righteousness as we come to a close. Old covenant promises matter. Okay, because we are in the physical too. But new covenant promises are better. Because hardly old covenant people had promises connected with their soul. When Job the godliest man in the old covenant would only wish. I wish there was somebody who would mediate between me and it was just a wish. We don't wish, we know. We don't wish, we know. Okay. So they didn't have the better promises of the new covenant. Okay. And almost all the new old covenant promises were outward and physical. And there was the problem. It was always constrained by time. Death stopped it. New covenant promises are better because they are eternal. Even death doesn't stop. Actually, death for a new covenant believer is the best release. Suddenly you put, you know, there's an old story about this Russian worker, poor worker, okay? So somebody visited him and he has just labored in this camp and come back. And uh, he, at the end, when he sits, he takes his boot off and it takes a long time to pull his boot off. He said, why is your boot so tight? Why did he say it's one size small? He said, why do you wear a boot one size small? He says, that is the only pleasure I get at the end of a day. When I take that boot off, it feels so good. Old covenant people, everything was constrained by time. Because all the promises were connected with the body. For us, the body is like that boot, one size small. We are waiting for it to be released from this body. That's what Paul says. Peter says, I'm ready to put this tabernacle off. Paul says, my departure is near. Do we see that way? If you did, we, would be, we wouldn't be so upset about disease. I'm not saying that you should be sick. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying there's a disease and a fear about something else. We don't want to be sick because we want to serve God. But we don't have fear connected like the world has. Because, as Paul said to the church in Corinthian, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Otherwise, let you be cursed. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting But don't feel condemned. The thing is that we have not come to the reality where Christ is the person in our light, in our life, has not come to. When we come to that point, everything fails into significance. Like Pastor Vijay was saying, 10,000 sons. <laughs> okay. After that, he had only one person in his life. Okay. I heard a preacher say, you know, we do multitasking and all that. And women are actually very good at multitasking. Okay, Very good at multitasking. But we were not made for that. Made for that. We were not made for multitasking. The problem is that there is vision 
and there is division. There is vision. Okay. Whenever your vision becomes two, you are divided. So all of us need to find that one person in our life that is Christ, and that one thing he wants us to do. Otherwise, you will never go anywhere. I can do many things. Pastor Vijay can do many things. But we have been called to teach. That's our vision. There are many good things I can do. But I shouldn't do that. I should help others. Whose vision is that? It's not my job to miss my vision and end up in division. You have to be careful about that. A lot of people are not able to progress ahead. It's because they are not seeing eternity and your place in the temporary. The vision connected here. Okay. So we don't multitask. We don't multitask. We don't multitask. Do we do? I mean, we, the only multitask you should do is that which doesn't affect your brain. Okay? Affect your brain. If it inco- includes your mind, let me tell you, you cannot, you cannot chat on the phone and listen to a message. Because it involves, both involves your mind. You can put, put headphones, listen to a message and sweep your whole house, swab your whole house, wash your clothes. Because that doesn't involve brains. So our wives will think that it is a very brainy thing. It doesn't need it. Okay? It's a very brainless thing. We don't need brains for that. Anybody can do that. But be very, very careful. Your mind is not divided. And we struggle with that. Struggle with that. Lord of a struggle because our mind is divided between the temporary and the eternal. What does Bhagavad say? A double-minded person does not receive from God. God is not able to give it to us. So though we are in this world, we are not of the world. So we are not disappointed when we lose things in this world. Are we getting the picture? We are not disappointed when we lose things in this world because we are not attached to these things. And we are not very excited also when we receive things in this world because our focus is on a person. And ultimately we know it. Anything I receive in this world, including health, is temporary. Wealth is temporary. Name is temporary. Everything is temporary. There's only one thing that is eternal. That is God. And we have to come back to that. Come back to that. Okay. So, understand, there are blessings of righteousness and there are sufferings of righteousness. So, the new covenant church, one side of the globe, a Christian may prosper because of obedience, because he lives in a society that is governed by laws that are righteous. Another side of the globe, a Christian may suffer Because of obedience, because he lives in a society that is controlled by people who are unrighteous. Though the laws may seem righteous. Controlled by evil. So you can be prosper in the new covenant because of righteousness and obedience. The blessings of obedience. On the other side, you could be suffering unimaginable torture simply because you are righteous. So don't judge. That is why Hebrews 11, the women got their dead back to life. Others did not. Others did not. So that's why when you look, when you have Gideon's question, 
You should be very sure you have the right answer. Why are these things happening to me, Lord? Is it sin? Repent. Is it ignorance? Learn the ways of God. If it is righteousness, exalt him and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Okay. Where are the miracles that our father? If you are living in obedience and the blessings of God are pursuing you, you don't need a miracle. You don't need a miracle. Because I'm, oh, I heard this sister, this sister went to this meeting, she received a word of prophecy, and she received a miracle, nothing happened. Wait, sister, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Is your husband nice? Yes. Are your children good? Yes. You have everything in your house? Why do you need a miracle? You have blessings and you're looking for somebody's miracle who's walking in disobedience, so he needs or she needs a miracle. You're walking in the blessings of obedience, you're looking at this, no miracle ever happened to me. Like I said, healing is the aberration, health is the norm. So somebody who is walking in healing, in good health is worrying, I wish I fell ill once and the prophet came and laid hands on me so I could also have a testimony without realizing your life is a testimony. Okay. We thank God for both. Please don't understand. We, even though you are walking in blessings, you will need miracles where God will prove to you he's a miracle working God because you will come into a situation where you need a miracle to come out of this situation. Okay, was Jesus the most obedient person who ever walked on earth? But he needed miracles. They come and say, does your master pay taxes? He said, should I pay taxes? Anyway, let us say, Peter, come here, you know what that? Take your fishing line, don't take a net, I don't want too much. Okay, just take your fishing line. The first fish inside, you will find a coin, it's enough for you. Isn't that a miracle? It's not a blessing, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. So even people like Jesus, who walked in Perfect obedience. God will work miracles. So we need both. But the norm is to walk in blessing. And there are these sufferings of righteousness itself, which is a blessing. So Paul and Silas are suffering. It's a blessing. You know what? For 2,000 years, the church has read, the earthquake of the Lord came in. Chains of everybody fell off. The doors were open. The jailer and his family got saved and baptized. You know why? Because they chose to go in there. How many people? Imagine that chapter is not there. People, Paul went to Philippi. This girl got delivered. He established a church, went to the next town. Can you honestly think how poor the book of Acts would be if that portion is not there? What would I preach? In every place I have gone, in every language I have known, I always bring it. I said, it stuns me. It stuns me. It challenges me what this man, two of them, Paul and Silas, did. We talk about Paul, Paul, but Silas too. Okay. That's the thing. You think about it. How poor the scripture would be if we didn't have people who walked in obedience and the people who experienced miracle. Our God is both. But let your theology be right. Why is these things happening to us? Why are these things happening to us? Because God is for us. For us. Tomorrow we look at it. Why do these things happen to us? Because God is for us and with us. Which do you want? Walk in disobedience, walk in sin and God do nothing about it? Or you walk in disobedience, walk in rebellion and God hand you over to the your enemies for a season. Which do you want? 
If it's temporary, you don't want that. But your eyes is on the eternal. You will say, Lord, that's what David will say. David will say, okay, so get this picture, it's very, very nice. Don't look at and react to what happens in our life like the world does. Okay, that is why we have to grow in knowledge and say, okay, this is the way, Lord. I understand. First, you need to know theory. First, you need to theory. When you are persecuted for righteousness sake, what should you say? Rejoice and be excited. You need to know theory. And once you know, that's what I, okay, I heard. Pastor said, that's what I have to, because when I get all this thing, persecution here, persecution, I said, what did you do? I asked for prayer. Where did the Bible say? That's the first thing. You're supposed to sing. Did you sing? Oh, no, I didn't. I said, if you don't sing, how do you expect God? He's going to contradict. Oh, that poor fellow cannot sing. Let me rescue. He says, no. I've magnified my word above all my name. That's what you are supposed to do. That's what you are supposed to do. And then you see what happened. Suddenly, whether your chains come off or not, you realize you are free because you sang the power of God. In their case, the power of God came outside, set them free. But for many cases, the power of God came inside and set them free. Chains didn't matter anymore. They were free. And the captors looked at them and said, how can you be like this? Okay. So first we need to have the knowledge of God. This is what God expects us to do. Then we practice it. The minute we practice it, what happens? You and I have taken a step of faith. The grace of God, the power of God comes in. The spirit of God starts moving in. And suddenly you realize, you know what? God is with me in my situation. I am not alone. Where is God? And you will be able to say, right here with me. Right here with me. I was preaching in one church. I asked them, Sunday service, taking the Sunday service. Two or three gather in my name. I'll be in your present. How do you know God is in your present? And they said, we don't know. I said, I know. He said, how? I said, two things. One, it is written. Second, I brought him with him. When I woke up in the morning and I was with him, and I was studying the word and he gave me the word for today, his presence was with him. I didn't think I lost him on the way. I didn't lose him on the way. Did you lose him on the way? Did you lose him on the way? It has to become real. Because the answer of God, the answer of God to all our situations is one. What is that? His son. And Jesus said, I will give you somebody just like me. The Holy Spirit. He will be with you. He will be in you for ever. You need to realize in eternity too. How do we understand God? Because of the Spirit of God. You know. So learn to know Him now. Because even Jesus when He rose from the dead and came and taught Scripture says He taught them through the Holy Spirit. If you think when you reach heaven the Holy Spirit you will live. No. Everything you will be living through the Holy Spirit. That is how we become one family. In the human family, you are one family because of blood. In God's family, we are one family because of spirit. The same spirit through and everybody. Same spirit. So this morning we shall just pray. Okay, we pray. We are not moved. We are not shaken. We are not moved by any of these things that is happening. We are not. And though we like all the things which God gives us and he gives us every good thing to enjoy, yet our heart is not in those things. Our heart is stayed on God. 
No, the, 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 the verse in Chronicles, no, that is the eyes of God. 16.9, yeah. I love that. That's, that is, that is a powerful verse. Look at it. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him or stay to him. But look at him. What is God looking for? Even today, there are 10, 15, 16, 17, 18 people, children sitting. God is looking through. What is he, what is he looking for? We, we, we are getting it wrong. We think he's looking for somebody whose heart is stayed on him, which is true. But for what? So that he can show himself strong in their lives. That's what he's looking for. One person, one person, one. We are all, I'm looking for one person to love me. God is not looking. He says, one person whose heart is stayed on me is true. I can show my power through them. That's what he says. To show himself strong on behalf. I want to prove to the world I am your God. So he looked at all of Israel. Everybody has gone into the mountains. One guy is in the plains. He's not gone. Where is he? He's in the wine press trying to save his harvest from the Midianites. He says, mighty man of Allah. In Malayalam we say, In the land where nobody has a nose, the fellow with half a nose is king. Okay? In the land where nobody has faith, everybody is going to the mountains. One fellow is sitting, hiding in the wine press, saving his heart. God said, Vaiti Manavalar. Murimukai. Go in this front and deliver my people. Why? All you need is a faith as small as a mustard seed. This mountain called this Mount Midianites will be moved. Go. I am with you. All that God looks is for that. Do you have a teeny weeny bit of faith? God says, I am with you and I will deliver you. This morning as we pray, that's all God looks for. Okay, What does faith do? Faith keeps his heart on. Faith is basically trusting God, what he has said. So let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. We just glorify you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I just thank you. I just come this side. Stay on the nice. I just thank you. I just praise you. I just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I thank you for touching Elsa, Lord, for healing her. I believe she's healed. We believe. We believe. We have healed her and she'll come through this stronger than before. Stronger in our body, stronger in our soul, and you will do even greater things through her than what you have done in all the years of our life. But the devil's been for harm, you turn it around for good, Lord. We just thank you. And we believe it for everyone in the church, Lord. What God you could do in her and you can do through, do to anybody else, Lord. So many. And we got so many reports from around the world. All who went through that have come out. We are healed. And I just thank you, Father. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, Father, we just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Now I pray, Father, touch 
There may be many who are listening who do not have a sickness. But they may be going through something else. But the answer is the same. The solution is the same. It is Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God. Oh, Father, I pray you touch them. You meet them at their point of need, that they will not waver in their faith. They will submit to God, resist the devil, steadfast in the faith, O Lord. For everything that the devil does and you allow is to test our faith. And in this, our Lord, I pray, nobody's faith will fail, Lord. Nobody. You pray for Gurujit, Lord, and Vicky and the children. I come against that spirit of infirmity in the name of Jesus. And I speak healing, Lord. I speak healing.